That's completely fair. Um, without, you know, getting too deep into it, I remember after our debrief, I just went in, you know, the bathroom and cried because it was like what I said, it was reshaping these definitions for me that I was always bullied for or told was bad or told was X and it really could be Y. It really helped me reshape it and take the power of just not even knowing myself, but how I presented myself. And I feel it's given me the utmost clarity and confidence in knowing my mind, knowing my body, knowing my mannerisms, um, and, and, and most importantly, how they're perceived to the world. Because that's, I think, one of the things that you taught me was a social interaction is not just how you perceive it. It's how the other person in the actual interaction also perceives it. It's a two-way street. When we talk about the whole person, we're, I mean, very plainly talking about the entirety of, of the person. People don't really compartmentalize themselves as much as maybe they think they do in the sense of separating their uh, experiences and, 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 and so on. And so when we're talking about the whole person, we're really talking about the experiences that they've had in their, throughout their entire lives that have shaped them, um, their personality traits, their motives, their drivers, you know, all of these things within the, build out the context of the person. And they also add pathways for self-awareness, growth and development. Um, so it's a multifaceted kind of approach that builds out the entirety of the person. I think especially in the combination, because I'm also low on reserve, that means um, I'm, I would say I share rather too much of my personal life than, than too little. And being also yeah, rather charming and limit, limit testing and risk seeking and all that, I somewhat had a hard time with people that were not like me. And Especially, let's say I have to deal with people that are more reserved and just a lot of my opposites um, that I am. They felt like they I couldn't make them do things or perceive them into doing things that they actually didn't want to. Just because I'm so, when I want something, when I'm really convinced that's the way to do, let's go for it. And that's sometimes harmful. I mean, that's, I think that is the same way for personal as for work relationships and just being aware if someone is more hesitant to give them the room and the space to really think it through. And if they come back, they, they want to join my approach. Great. But I definitely know that I'm going to hold back more and stop like pushing others. From Goose Creek Consulting, welcome to the Silver Linings Podcast. I'm Jason Blair. This is the first of a series of three bonus episodes that we're going to be doing on coaching from the bright side of personality, coaching from the dark side of personality, and coaching from the inside of personality, which is really about our values. Today's episode is going to focus on coaching from the bright side of personality. In order to explore this topic, I've invited three of my colleagues to have a conversation about the importance of the bright side of personality. The first colleague that I've invited is Matt Florence, who's a senior consultant at Goose Creek Consulting. He specializes in leadership development. He's a coach, and he's also a facilitator. I've also invited Christina Ralph. She's recently certified in the Hogan Assessments, which explore personality and values. Christina is also a project coordinator at Goose Creek Consulting. 
And then I've also invited Brittany Lawhorn, or Brit as her friends call her, who is also recently certified in the Hogan assessments and was one of the first people I ever debriefed on the Hogan. So today, again, we're going to talk about the bright side of personality. The bright side of personality involves characteristics that really facilitate or inhibit a person's ability to get along or get ahead. These personality inclinations make up our everyday personality when we're not stressed out and when we're self-monitoring. In this bonus episode series, I've selected guests who really have some differences from me in terms of our personality characteristics and inclinations to have a robust discussion about different perspectives on coaching the bright side. And I'm going to offer them an example as we go on about a real developmental area that I'm working on as a leader to get their advice and to get their counsel and to get their coaching on uh, what I might want to focus on. The concept of the bright side of personality is based on a number of models, including the five-factor model of personality, the California Psychological Inventory, and the Hogan Personality Inventory, or the HPI as it's commonly known. The five-factor model explores our openness to new ideas, our conscientiousness, our agreeableness, our sensitivity in our communication and relationship style to others, our emotional stability in our extroversion, and our ambition. Matt, Brittany, and Christina have a lot of experience with personality, so I'm looking forward to their insights and their ideas. Brittany, Christina, I wanted to thank you all for joining me today and giving your time to have this really cool conversation that I think our listeners will enjoy. I want to go ahead and get started with Matt. I was going to ask you a little bit about your thoughts on the importance of personality in a sort of professional and personal development perspective. Where do you think it's really a sort of key thing to think about? Yeah, thanks, Jason, and uh, absolute pleasure to be here. Thanks for for including all of us, um, <clears throat> and I'm glad we could finally connect uh, on this. So where does personality fit into the workplace? I think that's a really good question, and the answer is pretty foundational to, I think, any sort of professional development. And the idea here is that personality is very, very tied to individuals' behaviors, uh, and so your behaviors, the way you present yourself, the way you behave, the way you act within the workplace is really going to drive your relationships with your organization, with your colleagues, with with everyone around you within your workplace. And so when we're talking about understanding and, and, and developing the whole person, it's really important to understand that foundational element of, of what has, you know, what makes them who they are and Maybe what behaviors are they more likely to present? Which ones may be more difficult for them uh, to really get a sense of who they are and where they need to grow and, and develop to be the, the best person that they can be? Thanks, Matt. So in professional development, leadership development, we often focus on competencies, which are really sort of like a cluster of behaviors that are really critical to success. And one of the things that I've noticed in our work we often don't look below the surface at values, at personality, 
And it, it made me think about one thing you just said. You mentioned the idea of the whole person. Could you define that a little bit for people and talk a little bit about why you think it's important? Yeah, absolutely. So when we talk about the whole person, we're, I mean, very plainly talking about the entirety of, of the person. People don't really compartmentalize themselves as much as maybe they think they do in the sense of separating their uh, experiences and, and, and so on. And so when we're talking about the whole person, we're really talking about the experiences that they've had in their, throughout their entire lives that have shaped them, um, their personality traits, their motives, their drivers, you know, all of these things within the, build out the context of the person. And they also add pathways for self-awareness, growth and development. Um, so it's a multifaceted kind of approach that builds out the entirety of the person that's important to understand and, and focus on when you're when you're developing in any sort of capacity. Yeah. I, I think a lot of coaches struggle with that idea, particularly ones who don't come from a, from a psychology background like you do. They struggle with that idea that, you know, looking at competencies and behaviors is really easy and safe. But sort of looking at the under the surface and seeing what values people have and also their personality can be a kind of difficult thing. And I always use a metaphor that it's a bit like an iceberg, that our experiences and our behaviors are easy to see and easy to develop. And the things that are below the surface on that iceberg, and if you know anything about icebergs, they're huge above water, and but we're only seeing like a quarter of an iceberg because the rest of it is really below the surface. Those things, personality and values, it's very hard for them to change, right? And it's harder to see what's motivating people. And it's a lot less important to actually change your personality or to change your values, but it's really important to be adaptable and know the moment to walk outside of your personality. So Britt, I wanted to ask you a question related to that as somebody who is like the first person that I or not the first person, I think you may have been the second person that I ever debriefed on the Hogan assessments. I was curious about your Hogan debrief and your Hogan assessment and what you sort of learned about yourself. Because one of the things that struck me after your debrief, you were like, hey, there are aspects of this that I kind of knew about myself and that you got an idea of how they could be powerful and positive in your career. Oh my goodness. Yes. Um, first, just again, thank you again for having me on. I'm very excited to talk Hogan with my great colleagues. Um, and so for me with my Hogan, it really, it cleared so much ambiguity and fog for me. It really, I think Matt described it best of it opened up the door to who Brittany Lawhorn is as a full person. It described, you know, my motivators, my passions, but what was really driving and impactful for me and what I feel is great about the Hogan is it shows you what com comes naturally for you in environments of both calmness and stress. But also it shows you from that what, you, what doesn't come naturally and what you really need to develop on to strengthen and shape in some of your interactions, whether you're a leader or not. And that was something that was a big takeaway for me was you didn't have to be a leader to relate to anything in it. You could be an employee just looking to develop professionally or personally, and it was applicable to everyone at the table. Yeah. And I agree with you. It's really cool because I found something very similar 
you know, there were these things in my personality that I was aware of, but I really didn't see kind of the value of them. I looked at them only from the perspective of sort of um, developmental topics and not as much how I could leverage them and how I could step outside of them, uh, depending on the situation. You know, uh, Christina, one thing I wanted to ask you, you've given some coaching feedback sessions and you've had your own debrief. So I want to ask you a little bit about what you learned about yourself and how you kind of talk to people about their personality, if that makes sense. Okay. First of all, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for including me today. And yeah, I mean, I love to be Hogan certified and it really meant a lot to me when actually Jason, you debriefed me uh, way back when, especially when it comes to, so I was actually surprised that I was pretty low on sociability. And when people know me, they see me as someone who's very outgoing and like seeking the crowds and being happy with people. And I was also wondering, let's say if I would attend like a huge team meeting or just like a lot of people, I mean, let's say 15 and up, um, I felt uncomfortable. And for many times in my life, I was wondering, like, why do I feel stressed out about it? Why does it? I mean, I couldn't really explain it to me. And then I was looking at my um, Hogan scales when they came back for sociability and interpersonal sensitivity. And I was really that explained to me a lot um, that I just I'm really interested. I'm a hundred in interpersonal sensitivity. And I'm, I really like this deeper discussion, this one-on-one focus. And I, that's why I also really enjoy the contact with clients. But in a huge group, I want, I just, maybe I'm just not into small talk. So, um, and that really explained it to me a lot. And when I debrief our clients, they sometimes also have this aha effect, like, wow, I didn't, that makes sense to me. I never really saw it from that side. And also what, I find so important overall, not just for the bright side of personality that we talk about today, is that the creating of self-awareness is like key to getting along with your team colleagues to also understand from what perspective they're coming from. And it can help even if you don't align and you don't share the same values, it just helps to understand each other better. And that's, I think, what uh, my, my debriefing clients get out of this. Yeah, because I, I, I think about one of the things in the way that you and I interact, like I'm very low on affiliation, which is really about like networking, making connections with people, sort of like building a sense of belonging. And that's one of my weaknesses, I think, as a leader, because it's a very important thing. And, you know, you're much higher in that. Brittany's much higher than that. Matt, I think you're higher in that, is right? Right. Well, I think everyone's higher than me. Um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> right. So I, I think one of the things that really helped uh, you, Christina, was to realize that I was low in affiliation. And what I found out was when you realized you were high and realized I was low, you were able to like adapt the way that you interacted with me. You know, you would come to my door and you would say things like, are you having a low affiliation moment or a high affiliation moment? And it's that idea from my perspective that we can respect each other's personalities and it really, and we respect people, each other's values, and that can be a um, driving force. But you mentioned this thing, Christina, about self-awareness and like self-awareness is all the rage. 
And people talk about that idea of self-awareness being so important, and I think it is. But there's this concept and this idea called strategic self-awareness. And what it's really about, and you guys mentioned the Hogan assessment, what it's really, and the Hogan does this, one of the, what it's really about is this idea that you don't just want self-awareness, you want strategic self-awareness. And what that means is that you want to see how other people perceive you, not just how you perceive yourself. And one of the things that I think is pretty cool about the Hogan is that it looks at the outside view. And the way that they get the outside view is they don't base the assessment results, certainly when it comes to the bright side of personality, on how you answer the questions. They base it on how other people perceive people who answer the way that you answer. So as an example, like the Raiders may say, hey, people who say they're sensitive tend to be pretty sensitive. But people who say they're manipulative or never manipulative tend to be pretty manipulative. So it really gives you a way of seeing the way that other people perceive you. And when you think about your behaviors and your behaviors impact on other people, you really want to see how your behaviors impact other people and how you can really make strategic changes and internalize those changes. What do you guys think, and anybody can jump in right now, but what do you guys think about that whole idea of the importance of having the outside view of the way people perceive you? I'll take a crack at it. Um, for me, when, when you were talking about self-awareness and strategic self-awareness, I think it's something that I am easily still learning about in everyday interactions and more importantly in professional environments. So for me, the way that I always defined it in my head is self-awareness is having that social antenna of how you are perceived, how um, you know you interact with others. But strategic self-awareness for me is also knowing how to use that social antenna. And for me, it's, it's not about conforming in a sense, but it's about shaping to complement and strengthen the other interactions that you're having. Um, I, I think you gave the great example of when Christina will come up to you asking, you know, is it a high affiliation day or is it a low affiliation day? What type of day is it? And it allows you the strategic self-awareness to be able to read the room in a sense and be able to adapt accordingly. And I think that that's really key. That's actually a really good point, Brett, because so much of that's about context, right? You know, if I were like a data analyst and I was putting in data all day, like my low affiliation would probably be adaptive because I would be able to be more task focused. But because I'm a leader, that low affiliation can become a little bit of a weakness. Does anyone want to jump in on the idea of like why, you know, like a lot of times you get assessment results, like if it's measuring competencies or it's measuring personality. And everybody gets the same debrief based on what their scores are. But one of the things that I think is really cool, going back to Matt's point about the whole person, is that our approach really involves uh, looking at context, that no personality assessment is worth anything without knowing the person's context. Anyone want to jump in on that? Yeah, Jason, I can, I can touch on that. And just going back to the previous point, wasn't it? Is it Freud who says the the you you know doesn't really matter or something to that effect? Yeah, it's the you you know isn't worth knowing. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. And the idea there is that 
you know, how you, it's kind of the difference between intent and impact. But to the point of context, I think you kind of started down the road of an example, but different behaviors and different personality traits matter differently in different situations, right? So for example, I tend to be more sociable, more outgoing, more extroverted. That's a pretty good fit for, you know, a consulting job, a client facing role. Uh, But put me in a closet and make me run data based on the very little limited information I've just given, that might be boring for me. I might not enjoy that as much. I might not get as much fulfillment out of that as uh, as I do with more client facing work. Uh, you know, that's a very limited understand you know scope of of who I am as a person, but still like the, the point remains of the context of what the person does, what they need to be doing, what the organization needs them to do, that all matters in terms of who the person is. And it can change pretty quickly, especially with how you know, agile businesses need to be today and how strategies are always changing. So uh, the context of, of what the person is doing, what they need to be doing, what their organization needs from them, all of that matters in terms of what matters about them. That's a great point. The point that you made about how businesses have to be so agile in these days. One of the things that fascinates me is if you look at the personalities of people like Steve Jobs, like notorious like micromanager and all these other qualities, like Elon Musk, uh, same thing, like so innovative, constantly willing to change all the time. It doesn't fit. And this, I, I was looking at some interesting research on this. It doesn't fit the typical profile of why of why people follow leaders. And, you know, most leaders, they're going to be very ambitious. And I would say Musk and Jobs are very much that. They're going to be very conscientious and prudent, you know, make careful decisions. You know, like Tim Cook is a great example of that. They're going to be a little bit more sociable. But when you look to people like Jobs and Elon Musk, they tend not to be particularly conscientious. They tend to not be ridiculously sociable. And they often like are really good with those things you were talking about. They're very inquisitive. They are comfortable with ambiguity. And what the research I was looking at said was, well, there's a completely, and this gets back to your point about context, there's a completely different profile for entrepreneurs as opposed to other leaders. And the bell went off on my head that when I'm coaching and I'm debriefing people who are in a startup role or an entrepreneurial role, there's very different kind of uh, things, while the feedback may be the same, very different things that may be important to the job or, or other things along those lines. So one of the things that I wanted to ask you guys about digging into my own personality, you know, I, there's some qualities I have. I'm high on a scale called adjustment. And I can be a relatively sort of like calm person. I can be, you know, like sometimes somewhat histrionic about things, but I tend to be fairly calm when faced with a challenge. Like you could say to me right now, hey, we need $200,000 by Friday and it's Thursday. And I'm like, okay, we'll find a way. But one of my uh, personality characteristics when I get stressed out is I can be pretty like easily disappointed. And one of the things that I have to do is when there's a high chance that I'm going to be disappointed about something, I have to really prepare 
for those engagements. So I don't like whipsaw people like going from calm to like, oh, I'm really disappointed in you. And so one of the things that I was going to ask you, and we can start with you, Christina, what's the importance to the nuances, right? Because we're all very different on sort of those main scales of personality of the five-factor model, but there are things like with our values or even in the sort of subscales that are super important. I was wondering, Christina, if there's anything in your profile or any advice you could give me on that part of my profile that might be helpful in terms of my development. Yeah, I think it's it's a good point. For me, it comes down to the self-awareness. So um, just generally speaking, without an example right now in your scales and your personality, is that I'm aware of your personality and can kind of embrace when you say, when I can already like, feel, well, maybe something is up, maybe some business decision didn't turn out the way we all expected it, that um, knowing that you tend to be more reserved and I would be more the opposite, I would just kind of focus and think, okay, I step back and give you more room, give you your time. And it's a really great point because like sometimes, Christina, I imagine for you, like when you have a problem, you go talk to everybody in the office about it and that helps you solve it. What helps me solve it is like closing my door, sitting on my couch, spending time to myself. That's a great point. Keep on going. Sorry. Right. Yeah, that's that's the point. But knowing that even for myself, then and knowing that, let's say, a small behavior change, it doesn't have to be like changing and faking the personality, how I approach you, but just being aware and making ch- small changes in my own behavior can just kind of, I mean it decreases the risk of real damage that you can do to relationships based on this certain misunderstanding when you just have different personalities in the background. Yeah. That's something I find really impressive and really important. Right. Yeah, I do agree that it's important. So Matt Britt, do you see that quality in me, like swinging from relatively calm to like, you know, grumpily, easily disappointed? And do you have any thoughts on what I could do to just from a coaching perspective, what I could do to kind of uh, address that, you know, because I don't want to give my employees like whipsaw, like, who is this dude? Like, sometimes I tell him a piece of bad news and he's like, don't worry about it. And then other times he's looking at me like I just broke his heart. Yeah, I think like, I think that idea of of whiplash uh, is, it's a good example. And I think I don't, I see it, but it doesn't impact me as much. And I don't think it's because of my, I mean, it's a bit because of my, uh, my Hogan profile, but I think a lot of it comes from just understanding and learning more about you and how you operate. And so, okay, that doesn't diminish the frequency or the strength at which maybe you vacillate back and forth between those two things, but it does allow me to prepare myself better for when it happens, right? So it's the idea of, okay, can I brace myself for this car crash or do I not see it, you know, coming right. out of my eye, right? Or that when he's doing this, he doesn't necessarily mean that he thinks I'm a failure or that there's something Right, wrong. and so it's, it's kind of, it comes with, um, it's a lot of like information sh- gathering. Um, on my end, it's a lot of like being, trying to predict things, um, when they're going to happen. And so that 
what it comes down to, I think, in the, the, the resolution here, the growth area is, I think it's just communication around, like understanding enough about yourself to communicate to other people why things happen the way they do, when things might happen the way that they do, and understanding certain people you may need to communicate that with in different ways than other people because it might impact them differently than other people. So like being able to communicate about it. One of the things that I think is about cool is about the coolest thing. You you have your personality profile like hanging on a corkboard in your office so that you think that concept of like being very open about your personality is super important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, yeah, I do. I have it just off to the left here. I do think it's important. It also is uh, not only is it good. It's kind of a sign of you know me being open, but it's also a reminder to me of okay. Here's how I'm presenting to other people. I need to keep that in mind when I'm doing certain things. So maybe I need to have the gut check of hey, I said this a certain way, and I maybe sounded a particular way, but it's not how I how it is. Or I had a strong reaction to this, but I'm over it already. And you need to you know being able to communicate that, have that reminder of communicating that sort of stuff it just takes the guesswork out of it for other people, right? Yep. And so yep. They're not, they're not putting an effort in guessing what you mean or what's wrong or what's good or whatever it is. And so that's less mental, uh, mentally taxing for, for them. Yeah, that makes, that's a great point. So Britt, you've worked really closely with me before you became director of operations, you, and you know, before you became a human resources specialist before that, you are my executive assistant, and you know one of the one of my uh, attempted tricks to try and manage that idea of like showing my disappointment. You know, when I uh, when there's even the risk that something's going to disappoint me, and someone's you know reporting it back to me in a meeting with other people. Britt knows this, but you guys may not know this. I write myself little note cards about what to say, so I'm not like overly enthusiastic, or I'm not like ridiculously disappointed and that's like one of my uh tricks to to kind of uh manage those situations like Britt, are there any things on your end and thinking about anything about my personality that you think tips that i could use to you know the funny part i asked you this question but i'm pretty sure you're constantly telling me tips to use every day so but throwing it out there I was about to say, I love this trick question. It is awesome. Um, <laughs> no, but I think the saying for me to start with, you know, the discussion on nuances and why they matter most. To me, the saying is nuances matter most. So just because at times, right, we can physically see personality. We can see excitement at times. We can see disappointment. But those tiny, I know what Hogan does a great job of is the subscales, you, you don't really get to see those as often, right? Sometimes, and I think Christina said it, of it, 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 the nuances allow the background noise to be the forefront. It allows you to focus and pinpoint with data the specifics. And it's just kind of like a doctor. You know, you can't look at one thing and immediately diagnose somebody at times. At times it takes, you know, learning about them and understanding and looking at the specific areas Back to that idea of the whole person. Right. Yeah. And I think because we all at different levels in the company have gotten to work and understand what makes Jason Blair, Jason Blair, we're able to adapt and learn from that. I'd help you. (laughs) As I think Matt said. 
So one of the areas that I think, you know, you and I have talked about a lot, just like with your, what I've secretly named behind your back was your human emotion processing sheet of (laughs) when you had to pinpoint, you know, don't be too easily disappointed in this moment or don't act too surprised. I, I think one of the things you have a skill in is what you've mentioned previously is your adjustment score is relatively high. So I would say with that, where is you can kind of tap into maybe a feedback resistance mode is to tap into more of the optimistic and composed side of your, you know, your personality. I think that you're a great speaker. You, you are, you have an ability, like what you said, to take severe situations that I think a lot of leaders or even a lot of people just can naturally struggle with of the example of it's two it's, um, Thursday and we need $200,000 by Friday. Oh, okay. That's fine. I, I'd say people at a company like a consulting firm where, you know, we're adapting to everything. We're trying ourselves not to just get whiplash in itself is tap into your optimistic and composed nature. When you talk, I think that's one of the best qualities about your adjustment score um, on top of being resilient. I think people feed off of seeing somebody right. in your shoes having a sense of calmness, but also understanding when a sense of urgency is needed. You have a great balance of knowing when to pump the gas and pump the brakes in a sense. And it's just, yeah, that's that, that would be my opinion on it or my feedback for you. Two things that stick out there to me that I like really believe, one, that adaptability is one of the most important skills of a leader, like knowing actually three things, knowing when to move out of your normal personality is like almost more important than what your personality is. You know, like giving the example with Matt and I, we're, we love ambiguity and we're not particularly process focused, but like on some things, we're like the most process focused people on the planet because we know that's what we need to do. And then the other thing that sort of stands out to me is that like to your point, Brett, about, uh, the adjustment scale, I sometimes get surprised because, you know, like, and you know this, there was a meeting this week where I was with the whole leadership team, which are part of, and I gave very blunt, like, information about what we had to do. And one of the things, my impression as I'm talking, I'm thinking to myself, like, I am being a grumpy, negative X, Y, or Z in this meeting and one of your colleagues came to my office after the meeting and was like, I really appreciate your balance. And I was just shocked by this, your balance of not being negative, but being absolutely clear. And she said to me, it's calming and it gives me confidence that you can balance it out. And I was like, that is not my perception of the way that I come off. But that's why, like, in moments like that, even when you're not in coaching, feedback is pretty important. So I was going to run something by you guys and ask. So I think you guys are somewhat opposite to me on a number of scales. So I'm very high on adjustment. And on the high end of adjustment, you're often sort of like resilient, optimistic. The real risk is that you can be a little feedback resistant, right? Because you're just so bloody resilient. You're not hearing it when people are throwing out warning signs. And then on the bottom end, you may not be, if you have a lower adjustment score, 
you may not necessarily be as resilient, but what you are, because you're paying attention to your behaviors, you have a greater self-awareness, a higher sense of urgency. And I think most of us are opposite, or you guys, most of you guys are opposite of me. And I, I hire a lot of people who have lower adjustment in part because they counterbalance some of my weaknesses. And then on ambition, Brett, you and I are very high on that. I think, Matt, you might be high on it. And so there's some alignment there on interpersonal sensitivity. I'm like one of the lowest people in the company. Like I am in the top, I'm in the bottom, like 30%. I think I'm, I have a score of like 22 against the norms and you guys are high. And then on sociability, I'm kind of near the middle, but I think I'm lower than most of you guys. And then on prudence, which is really about conscientiousness, I am very, very low. I think it's one of my lowest scores on the HPI. And then on kind of my inquisitiveness, I like max it out. And that's about openness to new ideas and things along those lines. And I was wondering, which might seem like an odd question, like how with our differences, and you guys can talk a little bit about your scores, how with our differences are we able to work together well? And also, frankly, where are our friction points? I can kick this off a little bit. And I, I think we might get in, be getting into um, another topic area, but at risk of doing that, um, go for it. It's really all about building effective teams. And in many cases, that means finding some balance and complementary behavior. So the areas that maybe personally or interpersonally might cause friction, like, you know, high adjustment people that want to move fast, that are resilient, conflicting with uh, lower adjustment people that want to have more, and maybe higher prudence people that want to have a more planful approach. You know, yes, those might conflict on in, in individual situations, but on the grand scheme of things, you need both of those to be able to get projects done, to move out with stuff, to make sure you're still diligent and precise in your work and, and et cetera, et cetera. Right. So it's about finding some balance and building your team around what you need to complement each other. So those things that complement each other will also conflict and, and rub against each other. So um, yeah. I think one of the themes I'm picking up that you guys are all saying is you can't look at one scale. Like for example, I'm very high and in inquisitive. And if I were high in prudence, I would be a process focused person who also was very creative, but because I'm low in prudence and I'm like moderate in this, uh, moderate in this score called learning approach, I tend to be like innovative, comfortable with ambiguity. Uh, but I'm like willing to try new things without fully checking them out. And I know Britt, you're, you're a little bit different than me. Like you want to check stuff out <laughs> often. Um, and you want to test it and you want to do other things, but I'm also high in ambition like you are. And so I'm like driven. I like want to move fast. I'm creative. Like I am likely to be the person who brings you your brilliant idea or brings you your biggest disaster. And because I'm high adjustment, the biggest disaster doesn't bother me that much. So there might be some dead bodies that I miss on the side of the road. You guys want to talk a little bit like Britain, you might be good at talking about this or Christina kicking it off. Like what's the importance of looking at all the scales together? So I think it's it's important because sometimes also they, they seem to be having a conflict in them. But I mean, personalities are very complex. But looking at all of them, for example, um, 
Jason, I think our scales are, we have some that are more alike, like mischievous and um, imaginative, somewhat colorful. and um, Somewhat colorful? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a podcast. Trust me, I'm high on colorful. Yeah, that's, that's true. And I, I'm, but I really, given that I'm also really high on, interper- I'm really high on interpersonal sensitivity, it's just my highest score. And knowing that you're not, it's, it's, I mean, I can really handle your straightforwardness and I really admire that you're so risk-taking because I love to crack up people, crack up jokes, but I could never take the risk you are taking. So for me, it's a lot of, um, I'm also very high on dutiful, so I'm supportive and loyal. And and I actually really admire that because I can really see that we have some of the say personality traits that are like alike. But the ones that I would let's say would like to see some higher scores on my on my end, um, I see them on you, and it's it's just really um, for me cool to see where it comes from and how it plays out in day to day life. So, yeah, uh, that's a good point. Like one of the things, Brett, we have some differences in our personality. Those are all great points, Christina. And one of the things that you told me when we were first working together, because you're lower on the adjustment scale, which can lead to some anxiety, right? About um, just some, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you said to me, like, that one thing you liked about working with me, with my low interpersonal sensitivity, was that, like, I was blunt. I would come in and tell you that you're, you know, this sucked or this wasn't a good idea <laughs> or, like, hey, your baby's ugly. And you said to me, one of the things where it helps with the low adjustment is that you always know where you stand. Like you're never sitting there wondering whether I'm secretly fuming about your work. Is that, is that, did I accurately sum that up? Do you believe that? You hit that home run and hit another right after it. Um, For me, and I I loved how Christina used the dutiful score because I completely relate to that. Um, with just even talking about kind of looking at all the scales, I feel like Could you define what dutiful is? Yes. (laughs) Dutiful is... You on the higher end of the scale, it is uh, you're over eager to please, and you're going to be kind of um, ingratiated with authority and pleasing authority. Yeah. I always, really supportive and loyal, right? Yeah, I always try to preference it with two. Um, it, it's important to point out who you're dutiful to. So for me, and when we talk about context and all the nuances being important, it, for me, it's always somebody in leadership or always somebody with authority. Um, specifically speaking, in this case, it, it's it was you when I was. And I always say you should be more dutiful to yourself. Right, exactly. That's the con of the dutiful. So <laughs> when you look at all the scales, and I love how Matt pointed this out earlier of you know knowing the whole person, you get the entire story with the person. Um, I feel like if you only look at one scale or even a few of them, you're only getting a chapter's worth. You're you're getting some context, but you're not getting the full backstory and the full scenery and the full environment and et cetera, if you will. And so for me, in a sense of where you mentioned your ambition drives, where we both have high ambition, I I think it's important to look at all the scales because where we both might be ambitious in one sense, my cautious score might tap in and you might drive the car and love the acceleration. But like you're saying, if there's a dead body, I'm going to be, are you sure about that? (laughs) I'm going to be the person to say, we just ran over a dead body. We should check for it. Um, or we should check it out. Um, like respect for each other is kind of core for that respect for each other's differences. So I have one for you, Matt, you know, like I'm very high on the altruism value scale. And that's really about like being caring, wanting to help people. 
But I'm also like very low on interpersonal sensitivity, which is that agreeableness. And I'm a little bit more blunt, but I'm also high on the scale on the dark side called mischievousness, which can be like very charming and interesting, but risk-taking and manipulative. And I always like to say that like, if I wasn't high on that altruism, I would be a serial killer. There's no doubt. I would be like, I don't know. I'd be like some, I would be like, what's that guy at FTX, Samuel Brinkman, I forget what his name is, but like I probably would have been caught up into something like that because of the risk-taking and the manipulation and sometimes a little bit of lack of empathy. But that altruism, that value sort of like moors me. So I wanted to throw in like, you know, how do those things kind of from your perspective, not just for me, it could be me or it could be you, how, do, how does that play together? Yeah, that's a good question. The way that I usually describe it to clients is, um, first off, you know, I'll give if they want, I'll give specific definitions of different scales, but in a vacuum, they don't really matter because they don't exist in a vacuum, right? But with the specifically with the values piece of it, I usually would say something to the effect of those are those are kind of underlying throughout every element of the rest of the Hogan. Um, those are kind of entrenched throughout. And so something like altruism as being a, a significant value of yours, you know, that, that has a, a, a tendril in a number of different areas throughout your, your profile. Um, and it can help balance things out. It can help uh, mute thing, mute certain traits. It can help uh, bolster certain traits so you know to grand apologies and transparency (laughs) for for like using like an explicit example okay so you're lower on interpersonal sensitivity which you know we know is all about how you interact with people how you um come across to them um and so people that are lower on that scale okay maybe they're more direct or even curt at times but someone that's higher on the uh you know with higher on altruism. Okay. So now you know that they're coming from it from a place of caring, but it's going to be direct and blunt and quick, short to the point. Um, and then kind of that idea that like, you know, when I'm telling you something that you don't want to hear in a kind of blunt way, you know, I'm doing it because I care about you. Right. Exactly. And then understanding how that, that, that high manipulation or that high mischievous can be used you know, it can be a tool to be used to help those out that you care about. Right? Mm-hmm. You can right, use, right. you can flip that switch to use that charm to get what you need for the people, places, things, situations that you care about. So that's a great point because I often find myself like when somebody's not ready to hear something, like playing chess, right? Like slowly manipulating them to do something that's in their best interest. I didn't even think of that. That's a great point, Matt. Yeah. Um, One of the things I wanted to ask you guys uh, as a kind of uh, chance to give you guys some closing remarks, just sort of thinking about it from your, and whoever wants to go first, go for it. Thinking about it from your perspective, like what have you got out of understanding your personality and what do you think your clients can get out of understanding everyday personality? So the two questions were, Sorry, what I learned about personality and what I feel clients can learn from it. Yeah. Okay. Yep. 
for me, um, not to just repeat what I said earlier, but for me, it just it, it helped me understand Brittany. And, and I don't even mean Brittany and, you know, her best self or her worst self, because I don't like talking in terms like that, which is, I think, a great thing that truthfully Hogan and debriefing has taught me is I might have perceived it to be a negative and strategic self-awareness might have taught me that some of these competencies are negative, but there's a lot more pros to them. And one of the pros is understanding how to use them. Um, it's kind of like having a, what are those, those multi tools in one. It, it's like, you can have it and think it's really cool, but until you know how to open it and use every, you know, the scissors, the tweezers, all of that, you really don't know how to tap into it. And I, it's funny, Brett. I remember you once telling me on, you know, there's a subscale on imaginative. And when you took your debrief, you were like, wow, this is awesome. I've always known that I'm a little eccentric and that's a subscale. And it, it's about being curious and imaginative. Um, but sometimes at moments, like not being particularly focused because your head's in the clouds or whatever, and being like a little odd in your creativity. And one of the things that you told me was like knowing that scale and like sometimes people find your ideas odd, but like it's okay to be that way and it can be embraced. Is that fair? That's completely hear? that's completely fair. Um, without you know getting too deep into it, I remember after our debrief, I just went in you know the bathroom and cried because it was like what I said, it was oh, reshaping wow. these definitions for me that I was always bullied for or told was bad or told was X. And it really could be Y. It really helped me reshape it and take the power of just not even knowing myself, but how I presented myself. And I feel it's given me the utmost clarity and confidence in knowing my mind, knowing my body, knowing my mannerisms, um, and, and, and most importantly, how they're perceived to the world. Um, because that's, I think, one of the things that you taught me was a social interaction is not just how you perceive it. It's how the other person in the actual interaction also perceives it. It's a two-way street. Wow. I had no idea you cried after the debrief. I'm glad it was that helpful. Matt, do you have any thoughts? Or, yeah, Matt, do you have any thoughts on sort of like what you got out of understanding your personality and what you think clients can get out of it? Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, more so than learning about myself and personality, I think I learned a better way to explain myself and my personality and where I'm coming from and some of, where some of my behaviors stem from um, and reasons behind it. It really, really gave me some common language and some useful language to use in, in expressing myself. So I think that's a really critical aspect um, that I, that I've been able to pull out of it that I think is also useful for the client. But I really think where, where this is most beneficial from the, from, from the client's perspective is, you know, we talked about competency er, competencies earlier, which kind of working backwards from that, you know, competencies are clusters of observable, measurable behaviors, skills, abilities, all that great stuff, right? Your former KSAs. And so if we know that certain competencies are important, and we know that certain competencies for, for a job role, we know those certain competencies are built of a cluster of behaviors. And then we can find out what someone's propensity is for, for having those behaviors, their ease in developing those behaviors, mm. things of that nature. Then you can you can build people, you can build people up from that foundational point of 
okay, this person's more likely to be able to uh, to build this behavior or they already have it or they don't. And we know that. And so we know which competencies they're more likely to build. And so we can help begin to predict success a little bit further down the road uh, yeah, or at a, at a earlier point for them to be, you know, um, grow further down the road. So it's all about building people, developing people to be better, but doing it strategically and directed is super important. And this allows you to do that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's a really good point because I do think like understanding, you know, if you want to change your behavior, you know, if you want to change a certain behavior and I want to change a certain behavior and it happens to be the same one, it's going to take different things for each of us to do it because our personalities are different. Christina, I wanted to ask you about sort of like what you learned about your personality and what you think people could learn. One thing that comes to mind uh, when we were talking in your debrief is you're high on that scale. You mentioned mischievous, same one as me, you know, charming, interesting, but risk-taking. And if I can get a little personal, you know, you did not have the easiest. Yeah, you did not have the easiest life on the planet. And, you know, one of the things that we talked about was like, you were always willing to take risks that other people weren't. And I I remember you saying like, it was really helping you understand the piece of yourself. So let me throw it to you. You don't have to go to that mischievous space, but I, it it really struck me. Yeah. It's, I think, especially in the combination, because I'm also low on reserve. That means um, I'm, I would say I share rather too much of my personal life than, than too little. And being also, yeah, rather charming and limit, limit um, testing and risk-seeking and all that, I somewhat had a hard time with people that were not like me. And especially, let's say, I have to deal with people that are more reserved and just a lot of my opposites um, that I am. They felt like they, I couldn't make them do things or perceive them into doing things that they actually didn't want to. Just because I'm so, when I want something, when I'm really convinced that's the way to do it, let's go for it. And that's sometimes harmful. I mean, that's, I think that is the same way for personal as for work relationships. And just being aware if someone is more hesitant to give them the room and the space to really think it through and if they come back they they want to join my approach great but i definitely know that i'm gonna hold back more and stop like pushing others even when i do it maybe a bit like what you what, what matt mentioned uh, for your motives jason um being high and altruistic that's also on my values my highest in in these moments when i'm convincing people i'm doing that in my thinking for let's okay let's make the day better i'm high on hedonism so let's have fun work hard play hard and i think it helps me to understand others better and also be a, a better part maybe also an easier part for a team easier to handle and better get along and i think that's what it's all about we don't have to be all the same but the self-awareness um, for each of us just helps us get along and really build uh, and be a really great team with all our differences. And I love that. I love that point that you made about personal as well as professional. I always think to myself that like, even though personality assessments are uh, either used in clinical settings where a person might have a personality disorder in work settings, but like your personality and understanding it'll make your marriage a lot better. 
Um, so I want to throw it out to throw it out to you guys first. I wanted to thank you all three of you for being on, and I just wanted to see if you guys had any closing remarks you'd like to end the episode with. So I'll throw it to whoever wants to jump in. Yeah, I'll I'll hop in. I think um, one of the biggest takeaways really is that it's that strategic self awareness point. Um, it's about knowing the parts of you that matter based on the situation, but also knowing how to use the information that you gather. Um, and so I think those are two of the biggest points that that we've really touched on today. And and just thank you again for, for bringing us on. It's been absolutely. Yeah. I've totally enjoyed the conversation. Britt, do you want to jump in? Yeah. Um, for me, I'd just say, you know, my closing remark would just be, you are probably the most powerful weapon, you know, and I think Hogan gives mm. you great resources to utilize and understand the power you have within yourself. And so never forget that. And again, thank you for having us on. It was great to catch up with everybody. Yep. And Christina, go for it. Yeah, Britt, that was a great one. It's hard to top that. So um, I leave it as is and say, yeah, I think it's, I'm really looking forward to, as, as Jason mentioned, I was just recently certified to dive deeper and um, learn all about it and help more clients. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Yeah. And one of the things that's really great about it is, you know, like, I learn more about myself, even though I've taken the assessment one time with every day and every time uh, my contacts or my challenge uh, approaches. So again, thank you guys for coming on. Um, I'm definitely going to have you back. I'm looking forward to talking to you about the other parts, the dark side of personality, which is sort of what happens when you're not self-monitoring, when you're under stress or not paying attention. And I'm looking forward to talking to you guys about values. But again, most important point here is thank you. And I think one of the points that you guys are all making is just illustrated by this conversation, that the differences in our personalities really help us give the whole element of advice to people. And it was really illustrated to me by this conversation. I hope the listeners really enjoyed this. And we look forward to uh, giving you guys the next bonus episode on the dark side of personality.